We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into a Wednesday edition of the Road to Wire Fantasy Basketball Podcast. There we go. Nick Whalen, Brandon Kravitz here with you on this Wednesday morning. Uh, Brandon, normally we would jump right in. We would have a, a big NBA slate to discuss, but no basketball on Tuesday night. Uh, the NBA taking election night off, but you know what that means. We get a 14-game slate coming at us uh, on Wednesday night, so... Good luck. I mean, I have some daily lineup leagues, Brandon, where I have like too many guys active and I have like good players sitting on the bench. I had 14 games is too many. It's too many to keep track of. It is. It really is. I, I hate com- I'm not going to complain about it, but I will say I personally prefer. I think my favorite night in the NBA is when we have like four games. I think that's the perfect sweet spot for me yeah. where the, I can I can move around a little bit, but I can also I'm just so much better when it comes to setting a daily lineups or underdog props or betting on ga- I don't even know where to start. So, I mean, of course, it's uh, we, we had yesterday off and they just legalized or opened up a legal sports book in the state of Florida where I reside. So the fact that they did that on a Tuesday where there's no NBA was a cruel, sick joke. And so I'm ready to hammer it today. I got a couple of games in mind, but I'm with you. It's almost too much to even wrap your head around. Yeah, I'm looking at that Utah-Indiana game specifically. I, I know last night I was kind of doing some research for for the slate, and there's like, I think the total's like up to 245 in that one. I mean, that's like two of the fastest-paced teams in the league, two of the worst defenses in the league going at it. But, yeah, it's a little overwhelming. It's a little overwhelming, especially, you know, I'm on, I'm on the radio, you know, from 6 to 9, my time. So all these games are tipping off. You know, I'm trying to keep track of what's going on. I'm trying to talk football on the radio, and you know, which is just a whole different level of distracting. I want more games in the late window, and I know most people would disagree. Um, no, I definitely as disagree. Tends, as someone who stays up until like 12.30, 1 a.m. Central, like, you know, it's great. Portland, Sacramento, I watch a lot of West Coast teams, but I I would like it. It's, it's kind of like the way they balance the NFL schedule, you know, where you got all these games starting early, and then they only put two or three in the late window. Like, I'd, I'd like to see a little more balance. You know, I, I, I guess in some ways, just as a viewer, I wish the NBA cared less about people actually being in their arena because then they could do what baseball does and they could put games on in the middle of the day. Major League Baseball has just said, we do not care if you arrive at our stadiums. We're going to put games on whenever the hell we want. As a viewer, I love that. The, the baseball season is great yeah. because you've got games on in the middle of the day. Unless it's uh, MLK Day, you, you don't really get that in, in the association. Oh. 
You're totally right. And we have, you know, the jobs that we have enable us to watch games at all hours. So we, we should acknowledge that. But no, MLK Day True. is fantastic. Like, that's one of my favorite sports days of the year. I mean, you wake up, you, you got the Hawks playing at like 1130 a.m. The Bucks have been playing early the last few years. Uh, but anyway, that is that is neither here nor there. Well, uh, can, can I can I cut in just a what I you and I this is the first time you and I are doing a full length podcast together, so this is also partially a learning experience for the two of us. Mm-hmm. For that same reason, what you just said about MLK Day, where do you land as a big football fan too on the fact that the NFL has tried to take over Christmas? This is it's just something I have to understand about the uh, mentality of Nick Whalen. I I get it from the NBA's perspective that there is some encroaching being done. Uh, but I just love football so much that I don't care, and I'll watch both. Uh, you know, this is a this is a two TV household in the living okay, room. So that's good to we, know. You know, we got those two TVs for a reason. There's only one NBA game on at once, so we can you know we can find ways to balance it out. I mean, the bigger issue for me is you know trying to like sneak away from from my family or my now wife's I guess family. Oh yeah, congratulations. Uh, yeah, thank thank you. Uh, that's <laughs> I think that's the first time I've said that, but um you, to be able to watch all to these it. games like i you know i i've got an ipad a couple of years ago that's been huge for just like you know i can hold it under the table i can sneakily watch things but uh no i don't i don't have a problem with the nfl the nfl trying to take it over i mean if anything it's like do you really need more money you know it's like could you could you just yeah. let us have this one but i also feel like christmas day like a lot christmas of the NBA is for the nba nick it frustrates me as a yeah, sports fan i get the it NBA, I, the, the I nfl should day, step away let the nba have it Christmas Day peaked for the NBA in like 2016, 17, when there were those like insane Cavs Warriors battles. Like I, 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 I'm the biggest NBA fan I know, and I'm like not as excited for Christmas Day games as I used to be. Like that, you know, like when they would reveal it's because the schedule, of the NFL. Out, the I don't, NFL I don't, I don't is... know. I, I think it's just it's wrapped into this whole kind of devaluing of the regular season thing. All right. Well, I'm I'm done commandeering the podcast. You go ahead. Well, what we want to talk about, uh, and as always, you know, second half of the show, we'll we'll hit comments. So feel free to throw those in, um, you know, on YouTube. We, we we love your comments. We will answer as many of them as we can later in the show. Uh, but we want to want to do a couple segments here talking about early draft regrets, Brandon. We're we're two weeks into the season, still, in my opinion, too early to panic on just about everybody. But you know, if you if you took Pascal Siakam, for example, you're not feeling great about it, and uh, I am in that boat. I will tell you that. Um, you know, if you took uh, Tyrese Maxey with the 55th pick in your draft and you now you got yourself a, a guy who might be a top 20 player the rest of the season, you're feeling great. So we'll talk about some of the players that we missed out on, guys we wish we had more shares of, some of the players that we hit on, uh, and then just some of the general surprises one way or the other. Uh, but I, I do want to start with Maxey and there's there's almost not much to say here, right? It's like I, I'm not really surprised with what Maxey's doing. You know, if you were somebody who thought James Harden was going to be traded and you took Tyrese Maxey, great. I also think where he was going in drafts, like even if Harden remained on the Sixers, I still think Tyrese Maxey has a path to being a top 50 player. Like I just, looking back, I'm like, why, why did I not just take him with like the 45th pick? I'm not saying you had to take him in the second round. You know, his cost was so low still um, that I, I just look back and think, man, what a missed opportunity. I mean, specifically in playing fantasy basketball, I think it's so much about once you get past the first two rounds where the the players that you should draft are pretty obvious and you probably shouldn't veer too much from that. You just have to get your guys. Uh, And and I think the Tyrese Maxey path, the ranking didn't really reflect what kind of value he was going to have because the ranking for Tyrese Maxey was still somewhat, James Harden playing in Philly was still somewhat baked into that. Uh, So he was a guy, I think for us that follow it regularly, you knew Harden wasn't going to be a part of the mix here long term. 
And so if you did end up getting Maxi on your squad, good for you. It's paying dividends. Not only is he scoring, he's giving you the assists. He shoots at a pretty good clip as well. So he's definitely somebody that I tried to target as much as I could, um, just having the confidence that James Harden was going to move on at some point. Um, a guy th- for me that uh, that I was taking late in drafts, in fact, one of them was the the Vegas draft that we did at, at Circa as a, a Rotowire crew, was Shadon Sharp. And then I think that he's a good example of, of what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. I, I know in the moment, and we didn't have, you know, we were doing this sort of old school. We didn't have computers and rankings in front of us. So I'm kind of just going off the off the dome and you're looking <laughs> yeah, I mean, reading oh. the board. Full disclosure, this was being done at the stadium swim pool at Circa, and we basically had to like go and like herd everybody when it was their turn to pick. Uh, right. So this was like the least scientific draft that I've ever been a part of. Uh, but nonetheless, it was it was still a pretty sharp room. Well, and I and I blurted out shade on sharp probably three to four rounds before he should go, and I am not regretting it, Nick. He has been outstanding um and and continues to get opportunities with scoot henderson now missing some time so um he's he's definitely one of those guys i i feel like i sort of maybe even backed into that one well i think anthony simon's going down was the biggest thing right like sharp was actually was actually off to a relatively slow start the first couple games of the year and it was such a small sample that who knows and the blazers were getting blown out but now you know with scoot missing time and it seemed like pretty much immediately when simon's went out Sharp was playing like 38 to 42 minutes right away. And I, I think that's going to continue to be the case for the next several weeks. So even if if and when his role regresses a bit, once Simons is back, like you're getting so much value early on uh, that it's probably going to be worth it. And yeah, he's somebody I, I wish I would have had a little bit more of. You know, Chet Holmgren and Victor Weminyama, I have some regrets about. I, I still, you know, the reason that I stayed away from both of those guys is I, I just worry about games played. I worry about the long term. But honestly, both of them look better than I expected. Both of them, you know, Wembenyama especially has basically met value. You know, right now he's like the 23rd ranked player per game in in eight category leagues. That's right about where his ADP was. It got pushed a little bit higher late in draft season, but you're certainly not disappointed uh, if you drafted Wembenyama. And you also look at like half of his games, he's, you know, been in foul trouble or, or played under 30 minutes. You know, I think if you if you kind of prorate out like, all right, what if he's actually playing 32, 30, 33 minutes per game? I think that one's going to be just fine. I mean, Chet Holmgren ranks ahead of Webinyama in fantasy. He's the 13th player on the season. And, you know, you could get Chet Holmgren quite a bit later in draft than you could Webinyama. I think there was understandably some level of caution. I mean, his ADP, Brandon, we have a great composite ADP page on Rotowire where you can you can see, you know, ESPN, CBS, Yahoo, Underdog, Fantrax, and then you get a composite of those. I mean, his, his number was 52.4. And, I mean, if he stays healthy, I think he's going to have a really good chance to be a top 25 guy all year. I would completely agree with that. He's looked outstanding, and I think what he's giving you in in the passing game, you know he was going to block shots. Um, he can score from everywhere. Uh, it, it, so he, he's definitely a guy that when we saw, we saw flashes of it in summer league and in the preseason, and he's just following through with that. Um, uh, he, he's someone that I loved in the draft process when he was coming out with the Magic having that top pick. I was all in on Chet Holmgren, so uh, to see to see him playing like this already after missing a season, which was mm-hmm. really unfortunate. Um, I, I'm just happy. I'm happy for him and and for those that um, that believed in what he could do. For Wembenyama, I I think we just didn't expect him to uh, to show out the way that he has already going up against top tier competition. You kind of figured that it would take some time and and it, and it was, it was slow out of the gate in terms of like that first game 
um, and getting into foul trouble and those type of issues. But he's number two in the league in blocked shots right now. Went toe-to-toe with Kevin Durant and at times looked like the better player. Uh, it, it's really remarkable. I, I, I see you sort of scowling over there, but <laughs> he had a hell of a night. 38 points against KD and he made him look like a child. Yeah, man. And I, I feel like we still haven't even seen like close to what we're going to see highlights wise from Weminyama. You know, he, he had that that baseline reverse dunk that, that everybody, you know, kind of blew up on social media. And I was like, yeah, by Weminyama standards, like, I don't know. That's like that's like a seven out of ten. Like, I think we're gonna see some some absolutely wild stuff as the season goes along. Uh again, we, we thank everybody for the comments. Uh we will go back and hit those later in the show. If you guys have any any draft regrets. Uh, any players that you've hit on, you know, guys you jumped ADP for that have worked out so far, let us know. Uh, we'll, we'll touch on those, but we'll go back and hit the rest of those questions later uh, in the show. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Uh, Brandon, who are some other players that you regret missing out on so far? Yeah, I think uh, I didn't get enough of Walker Kessler. He was somebody that I really liked last year. 
um, go back to that the block shots category, somebody that you just knew was going to bring it. I probably should have moved him up in terms of my rankings. I love what I'm seeing from Asar Thompson. This guy's uh, got a, a few steals a game in his bag. That doesn't seem to be going away. So those are a couple of guys that I look at and say, I just wasn't really w- willing to pull the trigger, but they've been outstanding. Yeah, Asar Thompson is, is a big one for me. I mean, it's one where I, I'm not I'm not sitting back and, and like, you know, just ruining my drafts where I did not, you know, go way above ADP for Asar Thompson. It, all along, I, you know, I, I was on the record saying I like Asar better than a men uh, just because of the situation. And, and clearly that's been borne out. Uh, you know, we'll see. Like Detroit, I, I still don't like Bojan Bogdanovic still hasn't played. Like I, I hope that they don't, you know, shoehorn him into this rotation for 30 minutes once he's back. Um, but, you know, Jaden Ivey playing like 20 minutes a game has been huge for Asar Thompson, who they they clearly trust more at this point. And, you know, the, the steals and the blocks numbers have been huge. I mean, that's that's kind of carrying him toward borderline top 40 value so far. Uh, but the rebounds, I mean, for for a guy who basically plays shooting guards ball forward to be to be bringing down nine boards a game on a team that has a ton of big men, too. That's the other thing. It's like they're a competition for rebounds. And Asar Thompson is still uh, one of the best rebounders, if not the best at his position right now. Field goal percentage, you know, in Roto Leagues, that's going to be an issue. We knew it would be a problem. He's down at like 40%, uh, but, he, but he's been a much better free throw shooter than expected. I'm, I'm curious to see if that sustains. He's at 82% right now. Yeah, um, and, and another guy that I was just looking at here, uh, Nick Vucevic, who I'm, I'm quite familiar with in his days in Orlando. I, I just, I think we almost get bored with his production. It, it's He's like 17 and 10, 19 and 10 every single year. Uh, but he just continues to produce in such a such a predictable sort of a way. Uh, you go back to a conversation that we had a couple of weeks ago about guys with that nice, safe floor. You need those guys on your roster. I don't want constant movement in and out. And you always know what you're getting from Vooch. Yeah. Um, and I, I would just pass on him every single time out of boredom. Well, that's what I thought I was getting with Siakam, right? You're like, oh, you know, he might not have the highest ceiling. I'm not, it's not somebody who. I was waiting know, for the Siakam rant. God, man, he's killing me. He's killing me. <laughs> he's I, been I, terrible. I, he's been so bad. He's, he's I mean, the, <laughs> the volume's down. The usage rate is down like seven percentage points. Uh, yeah, even when the usage rate has been there, he's been inefficient. Uh, I, I, I do think it turns around to some degree, but I, I think this, this is looking like it's Scotty Barnes' team at this point. And, and to me, that's what's, what's most oh. concerning. Absolutely. Now he gets an opportunity tonight. I'm not. I'm not selling Pascal Siakam yet. Mm-hmm. I am. I have my hand firmly placed on the on the panic button, but I haven't pressed it yet. Let's see what he does against the Dallas Mavericks, and then if he can't produce against this team yeah. that really has no interest in playing defense, then then we can start to uh, to create. I think I might start to press down on it a little bit. So tonight's important mm-hmm. for Siakam's sake. We got a message to pass along from our friends at Underdog Fantasy. Underdog is the number one platform for NBA best ball and DFS player pickup contests. If you have not tried Underdog yet, new Underdog users receive a first-time deposit bonus up to 100 bucks and a free six-month subscription to RotoWire. All you got to do is use the promo code RWNBA. That is RWNBA. Visit underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog app today and use that promo code RWNBA. That will get you the deposit bonus up to 100 bucks, as well as that RoadWire subscription free for six months. That's all sports, too. If you got if you got fantasy baseball prep to do, if you want to dig in on our fantasy football content, uh, you don't just get our basketball content with that. So check it out and check out Underdog. Uh, Brandon, we, we got some, some chatter in the chat uh, about Jordan Poole. And, you know, our, our guy Jay is asking, will Jordan Poole get any better 
than where he is right now. I, I think if you're somebody who invested in Jordan Poole, which I, I really did not, and it wasn't it wasn't by choice. Like I, if, if he was there, you know, at or below ADP, I, I had no problem taking him. Uh, but if you did, it hasn't exactly worked out so far. You know, it, he's the 63rd player overall in Roto League, so it hasn't been a complete disaster. Uh, but but the thing that I think really stands out, not only with Poole, but with Kyle Kuzma, with Daniel Gafford, with, with some of these main guys for the Wizards, is the minutes. I mean, I, I thought Jordan Poole could lead the league in minutes. Like, that was conceivable, yeah. right? And he's had 28 minutes a game. Part of it is they've been completely blown out in half of their games so far. But at the same time, it's like, you know, it's the Wizards, right? Like, Jordan Poole is, is kind of your future. Like, even if you're down 30, I, I don't think you have to take Jordan Poole out of the game. So I, I think it's been, it's been frustrating. And even the games that have been relatively close for the Wizards, we're not seeing him extended to the degree that we thought. Well, I mean, it's getting better though. You know, he scored 23 points in his, in his last outing. You got to like that. Um, he's been pretty good from deep. You know, you're going to get that sort of um, production from him. I, I just think this is the, this is the high variance of Jordan Poole playing on a really bad team. I, I, I am I disappointed in what he's done thus far? Absolutely. But it's just not surprising. He's on, he's on a bad team. They're playing Sandlot basketball right now, and it's going to look really ugly at times. They've had a tough schedule, Boston, Philly, Miami, Atlanta. So uh, I, I would just say practice some patience when it comes to Jordan Poole. He's going to frustrate you at times. Mm -hmm. uh, just kind of close your eyes and, and and wait for the accumulation. At the end of the season, I think you'll look back and go, man, that was really anxiety provoking, but, but he delivered at the end of the day. <sighs> yeah, it, it, you just got to know what you're signing up for with Jordan Poole. Exactly. Right? That's exactly it. He's yeah. a high variance player playing on a team that's awful. Yeah. Well, I, I also think the the dream of like, wait, could Jordan Poole win the scoring title? Like, I, I don't think that's happening uh, unless this this minutes trend really reverses. And like, look, I, I still think he's going to have like five fifty point games. You know, eventually they're they're going to be competitive enough, and the training wheels will be off, and uh, he'll have those boom nights. But I, I think night to night, it's just looking like it's not going to be quite as consistent uh, as we would have hoped. Uh, you know, James Harden, I want to ask you about him. He's got one game under his belt so far. So we, we don't have a huge sample here. They yeah. said he'd be on a minutes limit the other night. He played 31 minutes, gave you 17 and six, uh, you know, shot it well from the field. Obviously he's always been somebody who's kind of a cheat code in terms of free throws. Uh, you know, at the end of draft season, like I, I did a couple drafts the last day before the regular season started and James Harden was going in like the mid to late fifties. Like, and that includes in my, my NFBKC where you, you typically don't, you know, people are more willing to take chances on guys like Harden in that format. And even he slipped there, uh, knowing what we now know that he was able to successfully force his way to the Clippers really only missed like five or six games to begin the year. D do you regret, uh, you know, not taking James Harden, not being more aggressive or were you aggressive in still targeting him despite the cloud of uncertainty that was hanging over him during draft season? No, I thought he, I still thought he was being overdrafted, even though he's got a great history in, in terms of putting up numbers in, in this fantasy department. Um, Still wasn't really sure how it was all going to work and what and how he was going to fit with the Clippers. And we also, I mean, we didn't know. I we thought that he would end up with the Clippers, but you didn't know where he was going to end up. And I, I don't, I didn't really want to venture into that level of mystery. There was also still a chance that Philadelphia just sat him down and said, "We can't find a trade partner," and Daryl Morey was going to. Uh, play hardball with him so I wanted no part of it just dealing with that headache and a guy that was potentially going to miss a lot of time now that he is with the Clippers and he's already put up a decent stat line in his first game uh, at the Garden the other night I regret it a little bit I mean probably 
probably was in hindsight being drafted at the right value. But at the time, I, I just wasn't it wasn't an investment I was willing to take on. I'm curious to get your thought on this because it seemed like the biggest impact was to Paul George. Ironically enough, I, I just figured James Harden would come in, facilitate, facilitate, facilitate. And that is not what happened. Yeah, I we talked about his you know, props on the on the NBA show on Sirius XM uh, NBA radio on Monday. And, you know, the one that I really liked was his assists because I, I thought the same thing. I thought he'd come in and just kind of float around, do James Harden things, which, you know, in Philly, he was not a guy that was consistently pushing 25, 30 points per game. Like, I think he'd kind of it moved into this this new phase of his career and, and no longer wanted to, to try to lead the league in scoring and instead was just going to be the assist guy. He still went over. I think the prop was five and a half. He had six assists on Monday. Uh, but yeah, you're right. It, it's too early to say that, oh man, this is going to be a huge drain on Paul George's fantasy value. I, I still think PG is going to be fine. I mean, it's probably, it's a slight reduction across the board for for guys like PG, Kawhi. Um, and, and Russell Westbrook to me is ultimately the, the guy that's going to suffer long-term. I know they're, they're trying to start them both right now. I just, I don't think that's, I don't think that's going to be sustainable. You can't, you got like the worst shooter in the NBA in Russell Westbrook. You got a complete non-shooter in Zubak. I, I don't think you can, that's not really the recipe, right? If James Harden is going to be your primary ball handler and look, Kawhi and Paul George are both great driving kick players as well. You need shooters around those guys. And I, I think eventually they're, they're going to move off of Westbrook in the starting lineup. Um, but I, I still think he could be productive off the bench, but uh, Russ is somebody that I, I'm just kind of done with in fantasy. That makes sense. And I see that we have, uh, we, we've got questions coming in about Russell Westbrook. Um, a guy that I think is very, he's always been sort of format dependent. Yeah. Um, when it comes to fantasy and now the, even in the format where he was thriving uh, in a points league, I'm, I'm just not sure yeah. that he's I, given you enough. Leagues, I still don't mind him. I, the thing is I play in almost exclusively roto leagues. So that's why I say I'm out like in points leagues, whatever, especially if it, especially if your league doesn't do turnovers, you know, if it's a points league with, with eight categories, um, you know, perfect. That's fine. Uh, you know, it, if it, you know, most points leagues obviously don't value percentages. So uh, you know, in, in that case, I, I'm still okay with him. You know, if you're, if you're realistic about what his expectations are, what um, is his yeah, realistic it, expectation then when he, cause he's probably going to settle into a bench role bef- in, in not too long. Yeah, but it's still Russell Westbrook. And I, I think he's still going to play like himself when he's out there and the Clippers, you know, they shed so much depth in that trade that like, if you're asking Russell Westbrook to still play 27 to 30 minutes a game and, and lead your bench unit. Like I, I actually think he might be in some ways more productive in that role where, you know, right now he's like very clearly the number four option in the starting lineup. But if you're if you're staggering him and he's only out there with one of those other three guys, like I think that's actually better for him. Yeah, I don't I don't know how much that's gonna. I guess it, that's the way that they probably Ty Lue probably draws this up is that Russell Westbrook comes off the bench, but it's not like it's just him out there. Yeah, it's yeah. him with Paul George or it's him with mm-hmm. Kawhi Leonard, but the fact that they couldn't come through the other night, the Knicks have been struggling mightily. Um, I, I think that's just a symptom of of trying to work somebody into your rotation that is a heavy usage guy like James Harden. So that's it was one of those spots. It was a mysterious line the other night because the um, I think the Clippers were only favored by one and they've been the far superior team this year. Those are the kind of yeah. things you got to look out for. Um, where were you at on Alperin Shangoon? Uh, we got a question from from Jack here. We love the the bull bull uh, Avi there. You know, Shangoon, <laughs> it, it feels like he's playing really well so far. If you're in a roto league, he ranks like 50th overall. And that's because he's a terrible free throw shooter, although he's taken a little over three a game. So it's not it's not just killing you. You know, if he was taking five, six, seven, that'd be a, be a much more severe situation. 
but, you know, the, the counting stats have been fantastic for Shangu. And the only thing is, you know, last year, Brandon, he was basically a one block per game player and he has one total block on the year. Yeah. So it, it's been weird. Like the points, assists, rebounds, those have been awesome. Uh, you know, I, I think in, in a lot of ways, he's been the, the, the Rockets best player on a lot of nights, but uh, the defensive numbers and the free throw percentage are kind of offsetting what he's doing in those other categories. Right. Yeah. The, the passing is there. He's actually uh, he's got a couple of steals a night uh, so far as well. I, I, th- I think he's sort of been, mm-hmm. I guess, kind of what you signed up for. Right. I mean, this is um, I think this is the Alperin Shangun you kind of thought you were going to get. This is the problem with drafting Rockets players. And, and to go back to the original conversation we were having about regret, uh, mm-hmm. I thought Jabari Smith was going to take this big leap and this this was the concern side of, of that sort of draft pick, and I think Shangun is experiencing some of that as well. Uh, th- there's only one ball to go around. Dylan, Brook, Dylan Brooks wants to get his. Fred Van Vliet is going to patrol the offense, so it's it's kind of hard to um, it's it's hard to predict night to night. And I think those two guys in the front court are kind of seeing the brunt of. Uh, Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe a diminished role, but I also don't think for Shangun, it, it's not a concern. I'm concerned about Jabari Smith. I think Shangun is fine, kind of where he's at. Another big miss for me, Jalen Duran. You know his ADP. You could you could get him in like you know the 110 to 115 range in a lot of drafts. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so far he has been a top 35 guy, uh, and he's you know playing under 30 minutes a game. Like my big concern was, man, they have all these big men. They're going to try to. You know, trying to get a look at Wiseman. They're still, you know, clinging to some hope with Marvin Bagley, Isaiah Stewart. I, I just thought it would be a little bit convoluted. You know, you worry about the free throw percentage. It actually hasn't been that bad for him this year. He's at like 73%. Uh, obviously, ultra elite uh, in terms of field goal percentage. Pretty much everything is a dunk or a layup. Uh, you know, he's not not blocking shots at like an extremely high rate for how big and how athletic he is. 1.3 per game so far. But, uh, you know, the, the passing has come around uh, too. We saw flashes of this last season, but he's averaging almost three assists per game, obviously going to be a monster on the, on the boards, you know, almost 15 points per game so far as well. And I, I think it's going to be sustainable, right? I mean, James yeah. Wiseman, James Wiseman is not going to be in this rotation. You know, the only game I think he's played this season is when Dern was out. And, you know, I, I think they pretty clearly recognize that Dern is the the center of the future. So uh, is he going to finish top 35 on the year? Probably not. But even if he regresses to like that 50, 60 overall range, I mean, you're, you're still getting massive value there. Yeah, I, I really like watching him play. He knows exactly what kind of player he is. He's super mature for his age. Um, and if you look at the j- just where he's kind of thriving near the basket, 28th in made twos uh, on the year so far. I mean, so that he's hovering around players like Jalen Brunson, Jaron Jackson Jr., Mikhail Bridges, Tyler Hero. Um, so the, the, you're talking about some fantasy superstars. Definitely a guy that... I, um, I, I, it wasn't even like I was low on Duran. I think I just over, there are certain guys at that point in the draft that you can't love everybody and you just end up, there's the high guys, the low guys, and then the, just the overlooked group. And I think Duran right. fell into that for me. I, I agree that, I mean, that has to be, if you don't have them on your team, you've got to be, uh, regretting that one. We're, we're talking about a lot of the things that we did wrong. Uh, do, do you have any, any players two weeks in in your back pocket where you're like, man, I, I just completely nailed that. I was aggressive in, in targeting him, and it's looking like it's going to work out. Well, I was a total uh, Victor Wembanyama mark, so that, okay. that, one's, that one's working out great. Um, Donovan Mitchell is somebody that I, that I targeted at the top of drafts. Um, I'm a magic homer, so this is partially um, for 
paying dividends for that reason. But Cole Anthony has been uh, outstanding coming off of the Magic bench, and he's actually playing better defense than we've ever given him credit for, and quite frankly, that he's ever deserved. He had two blocked shots just the other night at Amway against um, the Dallas Mavericks, one that he pinned against the backboard, which was awesome. And, um, and I definitely um, I definitely feel good about that selection. So those, those like Shadon Sharp, Victor Weminyama, Donovan Mitchell, Cole Anthony, drafting Cole, mm-hmm. not just having him on my team, but specifically taking him ahead of some of the other guys that I saw drafted in front of him. Um, like Anthony Black, who is getting his opportunities right now. But um, that, th- th- those are kind of the guys at the top of my list. What about you? You know, I, I, I feel like I haven't had a ton of like, wow, what a steal type of type of picks. I actually, I got CJ McCollum pretty late in my NFBKC. I was feeling awesome about that. He had looked great, but you know, obviously that has, uh, that has collapsed, uh, pun intended, uh, for at least the next several weeks. And we'll see, hopefully CJ McCollum, uh, is back soon. I think he missed like six ish weeks last time he dealt with this in 2021. So, uh, you know, hopefully it's not anything major long-term, but, uh, you know, Rudy Gobert was somebody that I was in on and you know, overall he, he ranks barely inside the top 100. Uh, so I wouldn't say it's like a great value, but I actually like what I've seen from Gobert so far. I think he, he looks like he's kind of ingratiated a lot better with this team. I mean, Minnesota has been the best defensive team in the league so far. Uh, you know, he's up, up to 2.2 blocks on the year, which is a, a nice improvement over last season. Like I, I drafted him for the blocks first and foremost and the rebounds. And, and, and those have both been there. The field goal percentage is kind of the issue right now. Like he's never going to be a high assist player. Obviously he's never going to be a great asset for free throw percentage. He's always going to hurt you there, but you know, in his peak days in Utah, I mean, he was like 65, close to 70% from the field and he's down at 53 right now. So that's, that's been a, a little bit worrisome, but uh, you know, if, if you were targeting Gobert and thinking that there was any sort of bounce back here, like I, I still feel pretty confident about just how he's looked in terms of the eye test. Yeah, and Minnesota's playing well. I, I, I think last year we expected it. Sometimes we expect these things to gel quicker than they're actually going to in reality, and that trade looked like a disaster. I don't think uh, that's necessarily the case uh-huh. anymore. Look at what they were able to do the other night. They beat the Boston Celtics, first team to do yep. so. Um, and Rudy Gobert has definitely been playing a role in that. So the stats are going to follow. This team's playing well right now. Yeah, Markkanen was another guy for me. Uh, you know, he's not really exceeding where he was drafted just because he was going so high, but um, feel pretty comfortable even with Utah looking like they're going to be a bad team um, that that he's going to uh, replicate what he did last season. You know, I mean, we, we really only had one year uh, of a sample of him being an elite fantasy player. So I think there was some question of like, all right, is this a fluke? Like he's been, he's a pretty average to below average player for like the first five years of his career. But, uh, you know, he's basically looked the part so far. Uh, all right, Brandon, we'll, we'll hit a few more uh, questions in, in, in the chat here in a second, but got some uh, messages to pass along from Rival Fantasy and Vivid Seats. LeBron versus Jordan, Magic versus Bird, Barkley versus McHale. Basketball is synonymous with legendary rivalries. They make the game more fun, and they give fans the storylines that raise the stakes every time those players meet on the court or come up in conversation. Now every player matchup and head-to-head debate can be settled on Rival Fantasy. This NBA season, you can play challenges where you decide which NBA player will score more fantasy points in their game, play the rival fantasy in-house challenges, or you can create your own and get a friend in the mix with customizable social challenges. Sign up at joinrival.com slash rotowire, and you'll get a $200 deposit match. It's time to step up to the challenge on Rival Fantasy. We'll see you in the arena. Again, that is rivalfantasy.com slash rotowire. Go get that $200 deposit match. Vivid Seats, the NBA... Wow, can't even talk. The NBA season is underway. 
Uh, great stuff there. On behalf of our friends at Vivid Seats, let's get one thing clear. Nothing, nothing, Brandon, beats seeing your favorite team crush it on the court to the sound of thousands of screaming fans. Every dunk, dribble, and every heart-pounding play of your favorite team live and in person. And because Vivid Seats is the only ticketing company where you can earn rewards on every purchase, you can score amazing deals and unrivaled annual rewards all season long. Plus, with a 100% buyer guarantee, you can be sure your ticket will be as legit as your love for the game. Visit VividSeats.com or download their app today and use the promo code ROTOWIRE for $20 off your first $200 purchase. That promo code is ROTOWIRE, R-O-T-O-W-I-R-E. You better be able to spell that for $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase. Download the app or visit VividSeats.com. Vivid Seats, experience it live. All right, we got that business uh, out of the way here, Brandon. It's uh, smooth sailing the rest of the way. Brian in, in the chat says Desmond Bain was one of his big hits. He got him with pick number 36. Uh, it's right about ADP for Desmond Bain. Uh, it, 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 I think there was a little bit of hesitancy just because it, it still it still feels to me it's like you, know, you don't think of Desmond Bain as like a, a superstar level player. Uh, but when you take into account John Morant missing 25 games, uh, you know the fact that Desmond Bain is pretty clearly their best creator, their best shooter, uh, even though Memphis has been a disaster so far in terms of wins and losses, that is paying off. I mean, Desmond Bain is a top 15 guy in Roto Leagues. Yeah, he's got three or uh, four, I'm sorry, three 30-point games in his last four outings. So they're losing, but he's putting up numbers. You kind of figured that would be the case because offensively, it is a one-man show in Memphis. And um, that, and that, that's where, I mean, it kind of works. It, it, it's serving two masters here in that, they uh they can't they can't generate enough offense to win games, but Desmond Bain's good enough to support you in fantasy. So that's where uh you know he's he's coming through for you. Will it last when John Morant comes back? I think the efficiency probably gets better, but the overall volume certainly going to take a a downtick. I think in some in some ways it's a a math equation, right? Where if Desmond Bain gives you twenty five to thirty games as a top fifteen player, and then he gives you the rest of the season as like the 35th best player, like that's still fine. Right. I mean, you right. have, you have such a long runway, uh, 25 games is a third of the season, you know? So I, I think even when Morant comes back, like, yeah, he's going to regress a little bit, but unless he completely drops off a cliff, which I don't think is going to happen. Uh, you, you, you're, you're getting what you paid for, for that first third of the season. And then you expect a little bit of a, a drop off after that. Uh, you know, Jack asks any regrets. If you drafted Austin Reeves, where do you think he will end up by the end of the year? I, I'm not really regretting it at this point. I, I think you know, Reeves has actually played really well the last couple of games. You know, got off to a really slow start. Felt like everybody who played for Team USA got off to a bad start. Absolutely. And, you know, Reeves was going in like the mid 80s. So it, unless you really jumped ADP, I don't think you're you're regretting that all that much. I mean, he's he's the 98th ranked player right now in Roto leagues. The field goal percentage is going to rise. You know, he had a couple bad shooting games early on that are that are you know kind of sinking that right now. Uh, you know, the free throw percentage should get better as well. Everything else to me has been fine. Uh, you know, one and a half steals per game is great. You know, it's five rebounds, four assists per game. We'd like to see a little more scoring out of Austin Reeves. You know, 14 points per game seems a little bit low. I, I just think the Lakers need to tighten up this rotation a bit. We need to see we need to see way less D'Angelo Russell. We probably need to see less of uh, Cam Reddish, who clanked the wide open game winner the other night against the Miami Heat. Uh, but with Reeves, no, I, I'm not. I'm not really concerned at all. I, I think you're. There's a pretty good chance that Austin Reeves ends up exceeding uh you know his adp i i think he could pretty easily be a top 70 guy um he had 31 percent from three-point range so far and the the concern there 
Uh, and he didn't play that much relative to uh, what he did last year where he really became um, a star in his role type of player for the L.A. Lakers. But he was a 31% three-point shooter in his first year in the NBA, jumped up to 40% last year, and now it's a very limited sample size. He's back down to 31%. The concern is that last year was the outlier and that that's not really who he is. It's not fair to make that determination yet, but that would be the concern. Um, I think you want to see this team get healthy, and that's going to help him in terms of his facilitation. He's a great passer. I don't think the numbers are jumping off the page. But, yeah, if you're talking about top 70, he should be able to to finish in that range. But I think people that were drafting him just because of the star that he became last year might have been expecting a little bit more out of him. On that note, Brooks asks, would you trade Malcolm Brogdon for Austin Reeves? I think I would. I think I would. Hmm. I don't know that Malcolm Brogdon is going to be remaining on this Blazers team. It's been a good start so far. Uh, you know, he's kind of the the elder statesman on what's otherwise just a, a pretty bad roster. Uh, but you know, despite that, it, it, again, kind of depends on format. Like in roto leagues, he's closer to the 90th ranked player right now. Like he's only he's like less than a round ahead of Austin Reeves, and it feels like Reeves has played really badly, and it feels like Brogdon's played really well. Um, so e- even if you think Brogdon sticks around in Portland, like I. I would try to capitalize on, on his hot start. You know, the thing that's holding him back right now is the field goal percentage. Uh, you know, in points leagues, he ranks ranks way higher. Um, but, you know, he's at 39% from the field right now. That that number probably comes up, but I would I would make that deal. I, I think I'd rather have Reeves. What, what about you? Yeah, I think you're right in terms of uh, it, it depends a lot what type of league you're in. Because if you're talking about just e- even in, in – he's scoring a lot more than I thought he would with the Blazers and maybe the Scoot Henderson and Anthony Simons injury yeah. uh, is a huge factor in that. But uh, he scored as many points as Kawhi Leonard and Zion Williamson so far this year. That probably, when you say that out loud, is that something that – Really seems like it's going to hold up. Well, no, um, but but I'm also there. There is a little bit of concern for me when it comes to Austin Reeves. So, I I feel like you're sort of just. I don't know that you're actually getting better with that deal. That that's my problem. Could you do yeah. it? Sure. Like if you're just in the mood to make a trade, uh, fine. But I, I, does it really make you that much better? I'm not. I'm not sure it does. Uh, I mean, it's not going to completely swing your season. But I, you, you mentioned it with Simons too. I mean, that's part of the reason that Brogdon's played so well is you know you got your, your number one scorer out of the lineup basically right away. So I, I think once he's back, we, we see Brogdon take a step back as well. Um, maybe you're not. We a have a time. Do we have a timeline on Simons though? Th- I mean, this is part. This is part of the concern with teams like this that have yeah. no interest in winning is that these timelines tend to get stretched out pretty good. They, they said four to six weeks. That was the initial timeline. Then we got that was like a little over a week ago. Uh, so I, I think the the hope is that he's back, you know, a week before Christmas or so. And if, if that's the case, that's fine. I mean, I it's too early. I, I if this happened in February, you know, then I'd be like, uh, I don't know, man. They, they might hold him out. I don't think he's coming back. But I, I don't think we're looking at like a lost season for Anthony Simons. I think I think the Blazers could be as bad as they want with Anthony Simons uh, is the way that I would frame that. And <laughs> you might uh, be able to hold you might be able to hold on um, on Brogdon yeah. for a moment and and get something better. He's he's producing yeah. really well. You let's, still need wins right now, Nick. Yeah, I suppose I suppose. Let's let's talk Zion real quickly because you brought him up, and then we will we will go back and and hit a bunch of the questions from the chat. Zion ranks one fifty eight right now in eight category leagues per game. That is not good. You know, I, I think the, the concern with Zion is not his production. It's how many games is he going to play? This is pretty shocking, right? I mean, the, the, the points per game have been there. He's at about 22, but, you know, he was hovering closer to 30 points per game, you know, before he got hurt two seasons ago. Seven rebounds, that's fine. Almost five assists, that's fantastic. You know, seeing the passing come along. 
Zion does not have a single block shot through six games, Brandon. Zero blocks. Zero blocks. He's under a steal per game as well. He's not taking any threes. He's not made a three-pointer. Uh, you know, and, and the field goal percentage is good at, at 50.5. But for a guy who doesn't take threes and for a guy who finishes and is as physical as he is, that still feels a little bit low. Um, and then free throw percentage down at 60.5 for a guy who's taking over six free throws a game. That is that is really damaging. So I, I think Zion Williamson through six games, again, small sample, it, it has to go down as somewhat of an early regret. Yeah, and I mean, he's not even getting to the line that much. I, I um, he, he, he right now it is frustrating because I, I, th- this is the, the intersection of, of fantasy and reality. I think Zion's playing really well for New Orleans. Well, it's not translating. It's not translating in the box score. I think part of the reason why it's working right now is that he is sort of just playing a complementary role, and we expect Zion Williamson to be the star of this basketball team. I think it's working for New Orleans right now, but it's certainly not working for fantasy managers. All right, let's hit some of the questions in the chat. Keep those coming, guys. We'll uh, we'll, we'll do about twenty more minutes here and then get out. Uh, Freaky asks, Gafford or PJ Tucker? Who would you keep? Uh, to me, this is very clearly Gafford. I'll side with you. I don't really have a take on this. Yeah, I mean, P.J. Tucker is just not a good fantasy player at this point. Better, much better yeah. real-life player than fantasy. I know Gafford's been off to a little bit of a slow start. We've got a few questions on Gafford, but um, you know, the minutes have been frustrating. He's still over two blocks a game, and that's ultimately why you drafted him was to to get those blocks, and I think those are going to be there. So, uh, yeah, if you're, if you're choosing between those two, absolutely uh, go with, with uh, Daniel Gafford. Uh, you know, Fork three here says that Kevin Herter has really let him down this year. Uh, speaking of, of guys, you maybe regret drafting. I mean, not 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 an exorbitant draft cost, uh, of course, for Herter. Uh, he was going, you know, in the, like the one thirty range. Uh, but but you know, obviously, it's not been a, a great start for him. Feels like he's been marginalized a little bit. Only playing twenty four minutes per game. Uh, they were seeing more more Malik Monk. You know, they brought in uh, Chris Duarte as well to be a part of that rotation. I I, I think at this point, Kevin Herter is probably a drop in most leagues. Uh, you know, I, I got off to a great start last year. It's been a high volume three point shooter. That's what you're targeting in Roto leagues, but he's, he's shooting the ball terribly. He's not playing that many minutes and he's barely giving you a three pointer per game. So um, yeah, if you're looking for advice on Herder, I, I would say you, you could pretty safely cut bait right now. It's pretty baffling because he's one of those guys that you think every team in the NBA wants to get their hands on and needs to have somebody like that. And he is just, I don't know if it's because he's fallen off or he's not being used properly, um, but definitely could be a trade candidate at the deadline. I would keep our eyes on that. Brian asks, should I drop Middleton for Bruce Brown? I I think I'd rather have Middleton. I know it's I know it's frustrating. I know it's like year three of, of this knee issue and kind of in and out and lower minutes, but... I think we get to the point where Middleton is is back to you know his normal workload at least in the next few weeks. And I like Bruce Brown, but he's not even in the top 150 so far. Like he's playing a lot of minutes, that's great. Uh, but he's he's really giving you nothing on defense, and that's a lot of the appeal with Bruce Brown is the the steals and you know some lower end blocks. He like Zion does not have a single block this year. He's under a steal per game. The assists haven't really been there. Uh, you know, field goal percentage has been fine, but not elite. Uh, so I I would side with Middleton in this one. Yeah, Middleton still has the upside of somebody that can help you win games down the road. Bruce Brown is just kind of a roster filler more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Got a question about Jordan Hawkins, Brandon, in, in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Is the Jordan Hawkins hype train a trap? It's a very good question. Uh, I mean, we saw on, on Monday, 31 points, seven threes from Jordan Hawkins in 38 minutes. Even before C.J. McCollum 
went down. I mean, Jordan Hawkins was was playing pretty serious minutes for this New Orleans team. I mean, somebody who uh, I think is a, a bit more NBA ready maybe than we expected right away. And, and with McCollum out, I, I think it's going to continue. You know, obviously Trey Murphy is going to be back hopefully in the next week or two. Uh, you know, Herb Jones uh, is banged up right now with a leg injury. He might end up missing a couple of games, nothing serious. But, um, you know, I, I wouldn't say it's a total trap. I mean, obviously he's not going to give you 30 plus points every single night, but he's taking he's taking a ton of threes. So if you're if you're in a roto league and you're you're just looking to you know grab somebody who, who still might be available who can give you two to three three pointers per game for the next few weeks, I I would do it. I mean he's he's taking eight threes a game and shooting 36. percent Which if you watch him at all at UConn, this shouldn't be that surprising. Yeah, the, I think this one's tough for me because everything that we saw leading up to the regular season was this big red flashing light that said. We've got a problem here. Jordan Hawkins did not look good in summer league. He did not look good in preseason. And those were the only indicators that we had of him playing NBA level competition. Obviously, if you watch the NCAA tournament, you loved what you saw from Jordan Hawkins. The guy was a sniper. So uh, I guess we can we can start to feel a little bit better about his NBA prospects after that game. But um, outside of that monster performance, which is mm-hmm. not an easy thing to do. Uh, just to, to put up 31 points yeah. in an NBA game doesn't just sort of happen by accident. So I'll give him credit there. But uh, if I'm going to buy in on on hype, I probably need to see I need to see that for a couple yeah. of games, not 30. But if I can see him get close to maybe average around 18 for a couple of nights when he's given an opportunity, I'll start to buy it a little bit more. Jay asks Jordan Poole for Zach Levine or you know, basically just take your pick of these two guys, Brandon. Poole ranks higher. He's been better so far. We we talked about you know some of the pitfalls with him and and some of the uh, the minutes issues. You know, Levine's off to a slow start. The Bulls just look like a disaster and a team that's going to blow it up sooner than later. I, I think Levine certainly could be traded at the deadline if not sooner. I this is really tough. I, I think these guys are going to finish right in the same range. Like I, I think they'll be in the same like general round by the end of the year. Uh, Levine to me though has the pedigree. I I, I don't know if I, I would necessarily be looking to give up Jordan Poole for him, but. Levine is a buy low for me for sure. I think they're I think they're both buy lows right now. Sure. Uh, are you really feeling great about Jordan Poole? I, I like Jordan. I like Jordan Poole a lot coming into this season from a fantasy lens, and I'm, I'm not really ready to change my perception on that because I haven't seen anything that that I feel like alters what I thought he'd be coming into the season. Kind of like we talked about earlier. So um, he's somebody that I've I'm kind of um, as as dangerous as this can be, I'm kind of planting my flag and Jordan Poole, the fantasy asset. And and I'm, I'm just not excited about Zach Levine and what he gives you across the board. Yeah. I, you gotta be realistic, of course, but I, I think with Levine, like the players that I'm willing to buy low on are the guys who are struggling shooting the ball and like everything else to me looks good. Like if, if Zach Levine was just shooting his normal percentages, I don't think we'd have any concerns. I, I think he would, he would basically be putting up the same numbers that he has been for the last few years. Uh, you know, he's at 41% from the field, 32% from three. And we're still only eight games in. Like, I, I think those numbers will rise. Um, you know, the assists have been down. That would be the one category of some some concern. Uh, but I, I think, you know, Zach Levine is not going to finish as like the 90th ranked fantasy player this season. So if, if you can go out and, and, and snag Zach Levine in a, in a buy low trade, uh, I would encourage you to do that. Uh, Freaky asks, can PJ Washington keep top 100 nine cat value? He's kind of hanging on borderline top 100 right now. Uh, somebody that in, in some ways I, I think is a better real life player than fantasy. Like it feels like he's off to this great start, but it's really, it's really like points and, and threes dependent. 
uh, for Washington. And he still shoots a really good percentage for a guy who takes a lot of threes. But he was only at five rebounds a game, and he's playing almost you know he's playing almost thirty four minutes. Uh, you know, doesn't really give you anything in terms of assists. Like blocks and steals tend to come and go. Uh, I, I to answer the question, I think he could be a top one hundred player. I don't know if he could be higher than like eighty fifth. Yeah, um, no, I'm I'm a big PJ Washington fan, and they they need his production. Um, Steve Clifford isn't going to mess around with uh, with with guys that, that kind of don't give it their their 100 game in game out. PJ Washington's the kind of guy that's going to bring it night to night, and um, yeah, I like what I see so far. I mean, he's been putting up numbers, and he's a solid player. So. Um, you look at that last game, 20 points, four rebounds. Uh, he, he's not going to share the, uh, the basketball very much, but if he can keep those, if he can keep the three point attempts up, uh, I, I think he can be somebody that you feel really good about moving forward. JR asks us Trey Jones or your guy, Brandon Cole Anthony. Uh, so I will defer to you on this one. You are the Orlando magic expert on the pod. Well, um, I mean, obviously I'm going to say Cole Anthony here sort of uh par for the course um to use a golf reference in uh for my guy nick over here uh yeah no he's been he, he, cole anthony's been really good so far and part of the reason that i like cole is that not only can he get hot from the field um he'll also get you a couple of assists per game he's starting to block shots and he has heard all of the noise about how bad his defense is and how he's a minus defender and um I think he's bringing it on that end. So he's definitely, he's, I mean, his role is entrenched in this team. He is their sixth man. And you're talking about a team that struggles to generate offense. He's always going to have his role. I think he's a really good fantasy asset, especially for the price. I mean, it's, mm -hmm. um, he was somebody that was really undervalued coming in because I, I just don't think he gets the fantasy community excited. Are Scotty Barnes numbers sustainable, Brandon? Oh. Uh, he's been, he's, well, I don't know, man. I, he's been somebody we've gotten a lot of questions about, you know, should I sell high? I mean, is it sustainable at the current level? Maybe not, but I don't know, man. I mean, it's been pretty sustainable so far. Like where, where does the big drop off come? Uh, I, I mean, it, I, it, it, am I to believe that all of a sudden he's like a top 10 player in the NBA? That's my, that's the issue. It's, it's not that I think all of a sudden he's going to revert back or, or, or become um, like he's taken a real step is what I'm saying. But has he taken the step that the numbers would show you that he has? I think that that's unrealistic. He's been putting up numbers. Like he's a top 10 player in the league. Scotty Barnes is good. He's not that good. So if you're when you say when you say sustainable, he Scotty Barnes is has to be the the best sell high candidate in all of fantasy basketball right now because of the star power that you could get back. True, that is true. And look, if if you could trade him for somebody who has top fifteen, top twenty pedigree over the last five years, then yeah, I, I would I would explore that certainly. Um, but it's, it's just really hard to, to like get rid of a player who's given you over two blocks a game and over oh, yeah. six assists. Like I, I want to keep riding this out as long as I can. I think, I guess the concern is, is what that eventually, you know, Pascal Siakam kind of closes that gap in usage rate. I mean, it, it feels like that's, that's going to happen at some point, but I don't, I mean, we're, we're seven games in and, and Scotty Barnes to be, when you watch the Raptors, like he's clearly the guy, he's very clearly the guy that they want, you know, kind of running things. And I, I think the fact that he had such an underwhelming sophomore year, you know, kind of threw us off the scent a little bit. Like this was, 
maybe not to this level, but like this is what people thought Scotty Barnes was going to turn into last year. And then the fact that he didn't, everybody's like, ah, all right, maybe he's not going to be that guy. Uh, but if you think about how we how we talked about Scotty Barnes coming out of his rookie season, if, if he's following that progression, like I, I don't think this should be that shocking. I mean, the two blocks per game, that that to me is what's like, all right, that's probably not sustainable. But the rest of it, I, maybe. I think what you said about Siakam is the biggest reason why. It's, it, it's Scotty Barnes doesn't even have to take a step back in terms of the way that he's playing in order for his numbers to drop. You, you're talking about a, a fringe all-star level player who's been terrible. Is that really going to sustain itself? The fact that this isn't a Nick Nurse coach team anymore, they're under new management, uh, that definitely plays a role. The, there's definitely a different approach here. Um, look, if you want to... If you want to buy the sustainability of it, you don't want to sell them, by all means. That's the beauty of of nailing a pick like this is you don't have to do anything. But if you're talking about players that are playing at a level that they probably can't quite sustain, I think Scotty Barnes would be towards the top of my list. Him and him and Cam Thomas, I guess, in a different way. Um, all right, we, we have an update, by the way, Brandon, on the Daniel Gafford or P.J. Tucker question. Uh, it turns out he meant PJ Washington instead of PJ Tucker, which <laughs> makes makes a hell of a lot more sense. I was wondering uh, why we were rostering PJ Tucker. Yeah, yeah. I was like, <laughs> yeah, I, I would definitely go Gafford there. Um, I I personally would still lean Gafford. I think there's some more upside there. I want the blocks. Um, you know, it, it depends what you're targeting. You know, if you need points and you need threes, then sure. Then you, maybe you want Washington. But if you're just trying to look at it objectively, I would I would go uh, Gafford over PJ Washington. Definitely P.J. Washington over P.J. Yep. Tucker, for what it's worth. Got a couple questions from Justin on Killian Hayes. Thoughts on him rest of season? Is he worth rostering rest of season? I'm not a Killian Hayes guy. I've been been pretty out on him uh, all along. I, I don't really think he's proven to be a very good player. But I, you see the last couple of games, you know, really his last three, he's, he's playing a ton of minutes, 15 points, seven assists. Uh, you know, the, the three-point shooting is going to come and go. It's been hot lately, uh, but historically, you know, he's not been – uh, a very good shooter, although, you know, we'll, we'll see if he's made some progress there. He's been sub 30% every year of his career. Um, and through eight games, you know, he's hovering around 35. Uh, I, For whatever reason, Detroit seems to like him more than Jaden Ivey. And we should note that Jaden Ivey's missed the last two games. And that's part of the reason that Hayes is, is playing so many minutes. Yeah. Alec Burks has been out. Joe Harris has been out. Um, if you want to hold him, sure. I, I still don't really have an overly positive outlook. Like, I'd be, I'd be shocked if he's a top 100 player at the end of the year. Yeah, they're dealing with a lot of injuries over there, so it's kind of hard to get a gauge of exactly what the true rotation is going to be in Detroit. Um, but you talk about that three-point percentage, bit of a mirage. In two of the last three games, he's shot over 50% from three-point range. That's 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 uh, kind of hard for uh, to keep up for most, definitely for somebody who's shot in the 20s throughout the course of their career. So I, I think it's a little bit of fool's gold right now. Uh, is Ivica Zubac a drop? For me, no, uh, partially because we, we I want to see a little bit more about what's going on with this this Mason Plumley injury, MCL sprain. Uh, we haven't had a timeline yet, but big man dealing with a knee injury. I mean, this could very easily be a multi-week thing. And you know, I know Zubac and, and, and Plumley have kind of split minutes since Plumley came in midway through last year. Uh, but we saw Zubac you know, immediately play 30 minutes the other night against the Knicks, had three blocks. You know, again, you got to be realistic. Like he is so far clearly, you know, the the number five option for this team and like, you know, op, we're using the term option pretty liberally. I mean, it's basically just, you know, second chance points, dunks, things like that. Um, yeah. so he's never going to be, he's never going to be a high score. You know, the rebound numbers have been down a little bit so far this year. I think those probably come back up. 
uh, with Mason Plumley out, and you know he's giving you more blocks already uh, than he was last year. So no, not not a drop for me. I mean, again, he's he's a lower end player, but you know you in almost every format that you play in, whether it's points or roto, like you need you know most leagues are two center. Like you want guys who are center eligible, and you know a guy like Zubac is somebody I love rostering. Like he's never going to kill you. Yeah, I was honestly a little confused by the question because you're talking about a guy that is one of the better rebounders in the NBA and bigs are hard to come by in fantasy basketball. So uh, I can I can I always think about it like this whenever I get a question like that in, in any fantasy sphere is what would I do as a manager in that league if I saw that player on the waiver wire? I would immediately go pick up Zubots, which 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 answers your question. You should not yep. make him available to others. Brandon, do we think Keegan Murray digs himself out of this hole? Uh, has not been shooting the ball well in the early going for the Kings. Thirty-five uh, percent from the field, twenty-six percent from three. Uh, you know, for a guy who what like seventy percent of his attempts come from three, and the, the field goal percentage is going to be tied directly to how he's shooting the three. He's still taking over eight per game. He's still playing a ton of minutes. Like they're they're allowing him to play through his early season struggles. Uh, you know, I, I think like a lot of these players that are kind of fringy top 100 guys, you, you have to be realistic. Like, you know, th- he's giving you six rebounds a game. That's nice. I think that's sustainable. If he continues to play big minutes, uh, you know, if he could be a 1.2 steals per game guy, that's huge. I would say, yes, he, he digs himself out of this. I mean, I think Keegan Murray already last season was a 41% three point shooter. To me, this is just a, a slump to begin the year and, and he'll end up being just fine. So I wouldn't be trying to get off of him. Yeah, this is a rock solid player. He's got a good approach. He's not somebody that's, um, you know, he he's locked in. It, there's some guys that you worry about when they're not performing well. Is it because they don't care? Mm-hmm. Keegan Murray is not that guy. So you, you can bet that he's going to try and, and, and figure out how to, as the person writes here, dig himself out of that hole. Good defender. He's a solid three-point shooter. Like Nick said, they're giving him the opportunities to, to get back on track. So I, I would... Um, I would remain patient with Keegan. Interesting question from Arthur, Brandon. Uh, 12 team, head to head league. Would you drop Jeremy Sohan for Jordan Hawkins? Mm. That's tempting. That is is tempting. I don't think I would, though. I think I'd still rather have Sohan. Yeah, I... I don't, I don't really love Sohan at all. I'm just, I'm a little skittish on the Hawkins thing. You know, again, if, if you need threes, go get Jordan Hawkins. If you don't need threes, I don't think he's going to give you really anything else. And then, you know, you worry about when McCollum comes back and especially, especially once Trey Murphy comes back, because I, I think they want Murphy to be 25, 30 minutes a game. And, you know, I, I don't think they want to siphon too many minutes away from Herb Jones. Uh, you know, Jose Alvarado, I think is going to have something to say when he's healthy in this rotation as well. So, I, you know, short term, maybe. Uh, but I, I also like, I mean, so has been just terrible so far, right? Like, I, I guess he's, yeah. he's given you a, a slight bump in assist because he's playing point guard, but like the minutes are basically exactly where they were last year. It's not like he's playing 35 a game. The rebounds are down. You know, he's been woefully inefficient. If you're playing in a category league, he's killing you in field goal percentage. He's killing you in free throw percentage, even though he doesn't take that many. Um, so I, I'm not against dropping Sohan. I would, I would just be a little bit cautious and, and, you know, temper your expectations for Hawkins. I uh, also, and, and, and maybe this is for, um, you know, you're setting your lineup for the day and trying to figure that out. Um, keep an eye out on how he looks tonight. Uh, I, the Spurs are dealing with a bunch of injuries in their backcourt. Mm-hmm. This could be a Sohan game. So I, that's one of the reasons that I had pause with it is it uh, specifically today. I'm not trying to drop Jeremy yeah. Sohan. I actually think he could have a nice fantasy outing. 
Yep, Spurs are at the New York Knicks tonight as part of that 14-game slate. Uh, all right, we'll hit a couple more, Brandon, then we'll be on our way. Um, is McCall Bridges worth holding? Yes. Yes, he is. Uh, wouldn't really be looking to sell him right now. I mean, if there's somebody who's really high on Bridges and thinks he could be, you know, that top 20, top 15 guy that, that some people were talking about him as, and you can get, you know, somebody who's a little more proven, then, then sure. But I, I wouldn't be really looking to get off of him. I, I think he's been just fine so far. Uh, Damari says he regrets drafting Anthony as his eighth overall pick over Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Mm. Uh, I will assume this is Anthony Edwards, Brandon, and not Cole Anthony. Um, or, yeah. or Anthony Davis. Or Anthony Davis. Yeah. They went with Shea, yeah. not Alexander. Yeah. So I want to go with yeah, the, I think they're going first names here. Well, either either way, I I mean Davis or or Edwards versus Shea is, is interesting. Um, you know, A D going into Monday night was the number one player in fantasy. So you know, it was it was working out. Uh but then of course we had the I think the first ever groin spasm in NBA history. I'd never heard of that injury before. It's like only Anthony <laughs> Davis can have a groin spasm <laughs> mid game. Um uh, but that's he what went you to the locker for. room twice. That's what you sign up for, man. That's what you sign up for with Anthony Davis. It's horrible. It, it, it really is every year. Um, it, it just, it is what it is. And if you played fantasy basketball before, you know this. Uh, but I think the bigger thing is, you know, do you, if you're somebody who passed on SGA, you know, later in the first round, do you regret it? I, probably, right? I mean, he looks like he's just going to be, be doing what he did last year. And, you know, the Thunder have more talent than they did a season ago. Like everybody seems to be playing pretty well to begin the year. And, you know, SGA, like the scoring is down. That's the thing. You know, I don't think he's going to be like 32 points a game, uh, but he's, I mean, 2.3 steals, almost seven assists, seven rebounds. Percentages are, are great. 90% at the line uh, on, on five and a half attempts per game. I, you know, I, I don't think if you took Anthony Edwards specifically that you're going to, it's not going to kill your season, but yeah, you probably wish you had SGA. If it is Anthony Davis, I understand it. Uh, you, you're you sitting at that spot in the draft where you could take a guy that you never have to worry about, and Shea Gilgis-Alexander is that guy. Uh, and so I, I understand that. Anthony Edwards, um, yeah, he, he he's he, like you said, he's not going to tank your team by any means, but I also don't think he gives you the, you know, he's going to give you the full array of categories like like Shea does. Good question from Jerome. What do you do with Ben Matherin? Really rough start for Matherin so far. Um, haven't really heard much about him, which is not a good thing. Uh, you know, moved into the starting lineup, but only playing 22 minutes a game. Uh, I, I do wonder, you know, is, is he a Rick Carlisle type of player? Like this could be something where it just doesn't really, doesn't really gel uh, you know, with a, a veteran head coach. And I, I really like Matherin a lot. I, I rostered him on some teams last year and it, and it worked out. But, you know, I, I also think, and this was the case as a rookie too, to me, much better real life player than fantasy. Yep. Like he's he's just kind of a microwave score. You know, he, he should give you more threes than he's given you so far. You know, the shooting has been a, a huge issue, uh, but he's you know, still getting to the line at a decent rate. You know, you'd like to see the defensive numbers improve, specifically the steals. Like he is a great on, on ball defender. He was an elite defender at Arizona, um, and, and that hasn't really translated to defensive production so far. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be in like a full on panic on Matherin, but it's not it's not looking good. The minutes are really concerning. He's hit one three in his last four games. That's almost hard to fathom for somebody that um, that wants to get up as many shots as he does. But yeah, you're right. He's a good defender. He'll still give you some. He'll give you a steal per game at the very least. But I, I think there's reason to be concerned out of the gate. We've seen enough bad games now to wonder if this is a trend that's going to continue. Would you drop Wendell Carter Jr. for Mitchell Robinson? Carter, of course, injured right now. Um, I think I probably would. I think I'd rather yeah. have Robinson. 
I don't know that anybody out there is rushing to pick up Wendell Carter Jr. right now. He's going to miss the next three weeks, and that's at a minimum. So you never know how that's going to get stretched out. But, um, yeah, I would I'd rather have Mitchell Robinson right now. Yeah, 12.4 rebounds per game so far for Robinson. Uh, 1.7 steals. That's fantastic. Probably some regression coming there. Uh, but you should see some progression on the block shots. I mean, he's barely blocking a shot per game. And he's shooting 46% from the field. I mean, he's a career. How's that even possible? He's like a career 75% shooter. Yeah, yeah that is that is preposterous. I, I don't. I have not watched the Knicks closely enough to know how he's somehow shooting 46%. Uh, but that that number will come up as well. And, and despite that, you know, he's still a top 100 guy. So I, I think even even if Carter wasn't hurt, I, I think I might just rather have Mitchell Robinson straight up right now. Um, all right, we'll do two more. Hunter for Fultz. Uh, presumably, this is DeAndre Hunter for Markel Fultz. Uh, once again, we have a magic question, Brandon, so I'll default to you. Fultz is tough right now because he's not playing. I think I'd I think I'd rather have Markel Fultz. He's gonna make his way back into the lineup. Uh he's good for he's good for assists. He'll get you a steal per game. Uh he doesn't take bad shots because yeah. he kind of knows his limitations for the most part. So I, I think now is a good time if you want to add Fultz to your bench, yeah. but you're going to have to be patient with it. Yep, I'd rather have Fultz too. Uh, you know, Hunter, it's like I, every year I grab DeAndre Hunter and he's like in my lineup for three weeks at some point when I have injuries. Yeah. And it's just, it's so up and down. It's disappointing. You know, have, he'll have the boom games. He'll have games where he gives you like six points and two rebounds. Uh, he's just, DeAndre Hunter has been the exact same guy for the last five years. And that's fine. Like he is just a solid rotation player in the NBA. He's not a great fantasy player. It's just, you know, it's kind of points, lower end threes. Every now and then some steals will be there. Uh, you know, percentages are okay, but uh, just not, there's not, just, I just don't feel like there's really any upside there. Whereas with Fultz, like, I'm still kind of curious what he could be. Um, all right. Uh, Adithia asks, this is a big one, Brandon. Wow. Who are his drops? He's got to activate Derek White, De'Aaron Fox, uh, Booker, and Claxton. Uh, and Claxton, you know, could be several more weeks on that, but. Man, uh, looking at this list, I mean, it's. I would probably be looking to drop Tim Hardaway and Wagner. Um, you know, I'll, I guess we'll read it off for for the audio only group here. He's got Finney Smith, Tim Hardaway, Jordan Hawkins, Mo Wagner, Tyus Jones, Gafford, Camp Thomas, Drew Holiday, Zach Collins, uh, and this is somehow a a fifteen category league. What are the fifteen categories? <laughs> I mean, I guess you could always find another category in basketball, but that's, uh, yeah, that's interesting. I think, um, so we're we dropping, how many are we dropping here? One, two? Uh, I think, I think we're trying to drop at least three. Okay. You can drop Jordan Hawkins. I think it's fool's gold. I would drop Zach Collins and mm, I don't really want to drop Mo Wagner. He's the better of the two bigs that are playing for the Magic right now. Eventually, you're going to want to drop him, but I guess Gafford. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I drop Wagner. I, I don't. I, I mean, it's not like Wendell Carter's missing four months, right? Yeah, like I, I think whatever. I mean, ultimately, Wagner's the backup center for the next few weeks, and I, I don't think there's a, a ton of upside there. Um, all right, here well, he's given us the category. So it's normal nine cat plus double doubles, field goals made, free throws made, three pointers made. Um, Triple doubles, I guess. And what is FF? Is that flagrant fouls? Well, that's a good one. <laughs> I don't know. Um, Maybe you should right. drop Mo Wagner then. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. And uh, Strictly follows up on our, our discussion of DeAndre Hunter by asking, is he the East Coast Harrison Barnes? 
That's perfect. I think he might be. I think Harrison Barnes is better. Uh, but yeah, I think that's actually a, a pretty good cop at this point in his career. All right, last one, Brandon. We'll end on this because I, I need to talk Dennis Schroeder. Does Dennis Schroeder keep this up? That's a guy that if you if you took a chance on late in the draft, you are profiting right now, and I I, I can attest to that in in one league, although it's not the you know not, not one of the big money leagues for me. I I think to some degree he can. There's no one else in that backcourt. You know, I've always been somebody who's had some like Malachi Flynn curiosity. I, I loved him at San Diego State. I, I thought he would be a bigger piece for them by this point in his career, but you know he's playing like 12 minutes a game off the bench. Uh, you know, in, unless we see like a complete shakeup and they would like send Schroeder out somewhere, which is possible. Um, I, I think he's going to keep it up just because there's like, there's nobody like coming back. Like there's nobody that we're waiting yeah. for to come back from injury and steal minutes. Like he's, in, unless they, they you know dramatically change this roster. I, I think he's a 30 plus minute per game guy. I think that's exactly it. He's been pretty consistent over the course of um, seven, 10 games. How many have they played? Seven. But um, yeah, um, he, I, I, I haven't seen anything that seems like it's a huge outlier. I think this is just his role in their offense. So that's the kind of stuff that I look for. When I say fool's gold or mirage, are you doing something that that rests outside of the norm for what you're producing? Schroeder's giving you pretty much the same production every single night across the board. So I don't see any reason why that would go away. All right, we'll wrap it up here, guys. We appreciate all of the commentary in the chat. Uh, we did have confirmation, Brandon, that FF is indeed flagrant fouls. That is you nailed the it. first Hold fantasy on. league I've ever seen that counts flagrant fouls. Is that a positive or a negative? Do you get do you get points if, if somebody commits a flagrant? <laughs> I don't think so. I'm pretty sure that works <laughs> against you. All right, well, we'll have to, we'll have to maybe try to implement that in, in run of the Roto staff leagues next season. But uh, again, we appreciate all the commentary, everybody following along on Twitter, on, on YouTube. Please like, subscribe to our videos. Uh, we'll, we'll throw the timestamps in there as well if you want to go back and and watch any of those. Uh, we will have Dr. A and Rick Kamla coming at you tomorrow uh, in the morning. That'll be 10 a.m. Central. Shannon, Alex, Ken Kreitz will be doing the waiver wire episode on Friday. Brandon, good chat and hoops with you as always, man. Enjoy the rest of your week. Thank you. You do the same. And congratulations on the marriage. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.